Welcome back to Straight to DVD. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back once again. And I believe this will be part one of a three-part episode series talking about the one and only Quentin the Feet Tarantino. Hell yes, brother. We're going to be talking about all nine, in parentheses, ten of his films so far, since he considers Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 to be one film, but they're technically two films. Hmm. But we'll get to that later. In this first episode, we're going to discuss his, his first three films, his early films, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and Jackie Brown. Let's do it. Let's dive right in. Where shall we start? I guess the logical place would be Reservoir Dogs. Okay. Right? This is his first film. His first feature film. And he just bursts onto the scene. He just, he, he, it's just, is out of nowhere. Yeah. The script, he found the script on the sidewalk. I thought he wrote it. He found it, he wrote it. <laughs> yes, yeah. he did. He found the camera on a sidewalk. He probably found the camera on a sidewalk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's really, it was unlike anything that anyone had seen on the big screen up to that point. Well, I, you know, it's what's gr- the opening scene of that film. Like, you don't know, let's say you're back in the, what was it? 90, or 92. Late, 92, early 90s, that's right. I was one year old at the time. I was I believe a few I, months old. I believe I saw it in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, if you've never you've never heard of Quentin Tarantino before, you go see this movie, and it's like the scene, the opening scene is all of them sitting in a diner before the job, and uh, he has this whole dialogue bit about the song Like a Virgin, and how it's about a woman who's like a sex addict getting fucked for the first time in a long time. She's getting fucked by a big dick. By a big dick, and it yeah. hurts her. Yeah. And this is how he decides to open his movie with yeah. dialogue like this. And he like, doesn't yo, introduce any of the characters. No, not at all. He doesn't. He doesn't tell us what's going on. He is the character saying this. Yeah. As well. No. Uh, so right off the bat, you're like, okay, there's something wrong with this guy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it pulls you in. It's just a very, it's a, a very simple chamber piece, which essentially it mostly takes place in just one location, uh, in the warehouse after the job goes awry, and it really is just a dialogue fest. Yeah. Of these characters. Just really interesting dialogue. And the dialogue carries a movie. Very cheap movie to make, all things considered. Yeah. I mean, the the costume is pretty simple. The, the setting's pretty simple. Like you said, it's all in that warehouse. Everyone's just wearing black suit, black tie, white shirt. Uh, I mean, besides, like, paying for the fake blood. Right, which is horrible, by yeah. the way, in the film. <laughs> it's, like, so clearly just, like, watered-down paint. It's, it's amazing, though. It is. Tim Roth is just covered... Oh, I mean, covered in it. By the end, when Tim Roth is just in a in a pool, like a literal pool of blood. I'm sorry, it's, Larry. It's hysterical. It's hysterical. I killed. She killed me, Larry. Amazing, Tim Roth. Can <laughs> can we also hear your Harvey Keitel? Uh, uh, yeah. What 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 does he say to him? <laughs> you're you're gonna be okay. You're gonna be no. I don't no. know. I was, <laughs> he's just a he's just a guy. I thought, I, I thought you had a. You're gonna be okay. You're not you're, dying. You're you're gonna be okay. <laughs> you're gonna be, <laughs> Um, you're you're not here to listen to us. No, no, no. Actually, we, yeah, we'll just redo the whole movie. Yeah, just once again. Um, but it was a cheap film to make by comparison. I I really like the film. I don't know if you do. Too, yeah, F. I, I loved enjoy it. it. I mean, the first time I saw it, um, I mean, I was probably in high school, maybe thirteen, fourteen years old, and this was kind of a movie that you know back then spoke to me as something like, oh shit, like you want to make movies? Well, like. Dude, you can fucking do it. Like, you can go out and, like, write your own script, and you can make a dope movie. Like, I feel like it spoke to a lot of people in our, in our you know, kind of age group 
that you know making movies doesn't have to be like this like total pipe dream that it's something that you can just like go out and do and you can make a really 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 fucking dope movie and like he proved that to everyone and yeah. it kind of just like took off from there absolutely and it's it's very you know it, for his first venture into a feature film it's like incredible how compelling and engaging it is. And I think that's mostly due to the non-linear nature of the film, which is also something that uh, happens in Pulp Fiction. Uh, that, you know, the story is essentially told out of order, but that's where the, the drama and the plot comes from. Um, but essentially, it's just a very simple story about a bunch of criminals putting together a heist and how one of them is an undercover cop and how it all goes to shit because of that undercover cop. Uh, and that's it. That's the movie. But you're engaged because all of these actors uh, have just great dialogue to work with. Um, and you have a lunatic like Michael Madsen with the fam- yeah. a famous scene of uh, cutting the police officer's ear off to stuck great, in the middle with you. Great, great scene. Um, going back to the dialogue, I, I was rewatching it and some of it is, uh, I mean, most of it is fucking amazing, but some of it's pretty bad. There's one scene in particular that, that stuck out to me when uh, when Harvey Keitel and, and Steve Buscemi are in the bathroom, a.k.a. Mr. White and Mr. Pink. Yep. So, and, hey, it sounds like Mr. Pussy. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it's not so bad, then you be Mr. Pink. Let's trade. There's no trades. Um, this isn't the scene. No, this is a completely unrelated. <laughs> yeah, so they're, they're, ta- they're talking about the job, and, uh, and Mr. Pink, you know, kind of tells Mr. White how he gets out. And he's like, yeah, I tagged two cops. Did you kill anybody? And it's just, like, a very, like, odd, like, follow-up question after you say, like, the way it, it comes out. Yeah, what is, it, what is what is that dialogue? He's like, did you kill anybody? Two cops. Oh, yeah. any people? No. No. Just cops. <laughs> it's just like, whoa. <laughs> like, that we could have done without. I, yeah. mean, he, I mean, it's, it's still his first movie, and he's, you know, working out the kinks, but... Right, right. It, 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 it feels very um, raw and... Almost unfinished in a way, but that, that's yeah. like kind of the charm of it. Yeah, I think. Um, you know, it pretty it like eighty five percent of it takes place in that one location. Yeah, and it's amazing how he makes that one location interesting throughout the entirety of it. Even though there's nothing in it, right? It's there's literally nothing. just an empty warehouse. It's an empty warehouse just full, filled with these characters, um, and Tim Roth is just on the ground the whole time, just writhing in yeah. pain. Out. Yelling like a muppet, like a like a muppet, Larry. <laughs> there, I mean, so it, it it is a great first movie, but it does suffer from a lot of the things that you know Tarantino movies will suffer from going forward from here. Um, in particular, just like some cutaway scenes that go on for far too long and like completely lose you in you know kind of like the the third quarter of the movie mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. when they go into the Mr. Orange backstory. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, the movie kind of... Uh, Where he's learning his script, yeah. quote unquote. Yeah. We don't need it. No, it's like we get it. He's an yeah. undercover cop. Yeah. And it's and like... We don't need the whole bathroom scene with the cops and the dog. Yeah, no, that was unnecessary. Yeah, that was, it was pretty unnecessary. And the extremely loud... Uh, Hands, uh, what's it? What the fuck? The, the the hand dryer. The hand dryer. Yeah. yeah. The extremely loud. Yeah. We didn't need any of that. Nah. But I mean, compared to what we see in the future from him, it's it's pretty tame. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of incredible that he goes from this to Pulp Fiction in just two years. In just two years, which I mean, like the quality jump. Yeah. 
is extreme. It's insane. You want to talk about Pulp Fiction? I would love to begin talking about Pulp Fiction. Let's let's hear it. Because I think uh, many consider it to be his masterpiece. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's definitely... You know, I jump around between that, Kill Bill, and Inglorious Bastards um, as being my top three. So I'll definitely say it's at least top three. But it's just... It is probably the best dialogue he's written, I would say. Yeah. I think. Um, and he does the same Agreed. thing. He does the same thing like he does with Reservoir Dogs, where it's it's told in a nonlinear fashion. Um, you have the uh, John Travolta Samuel L. Jackson story. Mm-hmm. You have the yeah. Bruce Willis Ving Rhames story. Yeah, Butch and, and have, Watch. Right, and you have the uh, the Mia Wallace Uma Thurman. Uh, slash John Travolta story happening, and then you have the the Tim Roth Amanda Plummer uh, diner bit mm-hmm. as well, and how they're you all also sprinkled have the Bonnie together. situation, right? The Bonnie situation that has to do with uh, yeah. John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson's character. While we're on the Bonnie situation, I know I know exactly what you want to jump. It, go ahead, just jump right uh, into it. Jump right into it's it. It's so cringeworthy. Yes. I love that movie, but that scene yeah. is. Um, I mean, if if you rewatch it now, it'll if it doesn't make your skin crawl, um, has it, not aged particularly great yeah i mean there's a there's a lot wrong with it there's you know tarantino putting himself in the movie and being a god-awful actor yeah and then there's the fact that he's <laughs> dropping hard r and bombs throughout the scene yeah and i think like in reservoir dogs we kind of get a sense that this dude might be a psychopath and in pulp fiction he like totally solidifies it yeah in this scene like I just, I was sitting there wondering how how did Samuel Jackson not like smack him upside the head, like um, a couple of million dollars will uh, will we'll we'll change that, that. Yeah. yeah, and getting you your first Oscar, right, yeah. right, yeah, right. So I guess that's enough to deal with with the Bonnie situation, right? Well, the interesting thing about uh, what you just mentioned too about the Sam Jackson thing is that uh, this movie kind of reinvigorated Travolta. Sam Jackson and especially Bruce Willis's career. Yeah, um, it's like Travolta got nominated, Jackson got nominated, Uma Thurman got nominated, uh, and Tarantino got nominated for I believe best best director, uh, best writer. I think he may have won, he won for. I think he won, won for, for best original best, best original, original screenplay. screenplay. Right, 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 right. Uh, none of the actors won, but I mean, I thought Sam Jackson won. No, no, none of them won. He was nominated uh. for best featured. Even though I think he has more lines than Travolta does yeah. in the film, uh, he's my fa- he's my favorite character in the movie. Jules, uh, Jules. I think he's the most interesting character. Jules is a very interesting character. Yeah. It's great, the whole uh, biblical thing that he does and yeah. how he changes over the movie. Yeah, I think it's great. Which is um, ju- apparently the uh, that verse. It's not a real verse. It's, it's not. It's just a bunch of snippets from 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 yeah. other completely fabricated verses that he just throws together. Which. I guess if you want to, you know, kind of talk about Tarantino as a whole as being like the sort of like master of the pastiche, like having that biblical verse that Jules recites before he kills people is like the ultimate like kind of play on Tarantino being a pastiche master where his greatest character is saying this super dope passage that doesn't really fucking exist. Mm-hmm. And it's right. just taking taking bits and pieces of cool shit from from other passages in the well it's, it's 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 interesting you say that because that's sort of like what the movie is and that's like what the title refers to yeah it's like uh you know it's just it's completely a work of like pop culture fiction yeah like pulpy fiction yeah um 
And that's like what that biblical creation is. And that's sort of also like what the movie is. It's this weird, just sort of, uh, sort of hitman criminal pop culture story, uh, with like weird, uh, lengthy anecdotes about like hamburgers and like going to diners and foot massages and like weird, creepy bondage men who, who rape people in a basement. Which but, but the gimp sleeping. But the gimp wake up the gimp. <laughs> and then the what? A, what a, that scene makes that me so scene. uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the dude is is often regarded as you know one of the best directors, if not the best director of of, of his time. But he is a fucking weirdo. He's an absolute weirdo. And like all of his movies are kind of just like a window into his mind. And like this is someone who we should all be concerned about and like get him like mental health. <laughs> Like if he if this if this dude weren't making you know amazing movies he would be lo- locked up in a mental institution in a mental in- institution somewhere in this country. I'm just wondering like what the first draft of that script must have been when he was shopping it around and like you get to that scene uh, in Zed's hardware store yeah. whatever it is. I think it's a pawn shop. Pawn shop whatever. Yeah. Uh, and and you just he's just like and uh, Bruce Willis and Ving Rhames are ball gagged and. Uh, <laughs> And then raped in, in the back room. <laughs> they bring out a gimp, and then they're raped. But then Bruce Willis takes out a, a samurai sword from the pawn shop and mm-hmm. kills them. And then yep. you, you know, you know yeah, you typical know. movie stuff. Right, Los Angeles. Yeah, that's what happens in Los yeah. Angeles. It, that's the valley. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Between that scene with Zed, and you know, obviously that scene is not nearly as bad as the Bonnie situation scene, which is clearly, as you said, sort of a situation he writes for himself just so he can put himself on camera to say these things. Yeah. And I'm not going to repeat. <laughs> some I of the things I he also says. I, I don't uh, don't feel comfortable repeating what he said. No. And it's it like it comes like towards the last third of the movie and it's like so jarring and borderline unnecessary. You know, not borderline unnecessary. I think just pretty unnecessary. Another instance in the, yeah. in the third quarter of the movie he just throws in a scene that's totally unnecessary and can just be cut out. You but... don't need to tell me how good my fucking coffee is. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's such a bad actor. He is a bad actor. Bit of trivia. Did you know that apparently Tarantino first moved out to LA to become an actor and that was his that was his big dream? Wow. And in order to get himself on screen, he started writing and making movies and someone was like, "Hey, buddy, you're a shit actor, but stick to directing." And wow. And that's how we ended up here. And the rest is history. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, definitely he definitely shouldn't act anymore. No, no. He, uh, he's, he is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, it's quite bad. Well, because it's like you're watching Quentin Tarantino. Like, he's not playing a character. He's you're just, just watching He's him. just Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, he's easily, he's easily the worst character in that movie. <laughs> in Pulp Fiction. Uh, Fuck you, Jimmy. Also, going back to his, speaking of him playing his, these characters that he writes for himself, he plays, who does he play in Reservoir Dogs? Mr. Blue. Mr. Blue. Mr. Blue. And he, like, dies. Like, what, what, I've never understood that scene where he's, like, I don't know if he actually gets shot. He's, like, bleeding from his. He's bleeding from his head, so he couldn't have gotten shot in the head and then continued to drive. And then he's, like, I can't see, I've gone blind. Yeah. He's, like, I can't see. And And Harvey Keitel's just, like, no, dude, you just got blood in your eye. And then he shoots some cops and then. And then he's, and then then Tarantino's dead? Like, it kind of doesn't make sense. No. Terrible director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movies what a hack. Sense. Your absolute yeah. hack. Dude. Total hack. Yeah, yeah. Didn't take us that long to, no, not at all. to start. We were going to get there eventually. <laughs> um, and then his follow up to Pulp Fiction. Before we get to Jackie Brown. Okay, let's back up. I just want to talk about Go one ahead. quick thing in, in Pulp Fiction that, that I found super interesting. Do it. Um, so, you know, 
obviously it's this movie about criminals and you know crime in LA um, and you know Tarantino from the start has always kind of you know wanted to make spaghetti westerns like always looked up to Sergio Leone like as, as a director like he thinks he's like the pinnacle of the of the industry um, so in Pulp Fiction Tarantino decides to use surf rock music because he quote thinks it sounds like American spaghetti western music which is like kind of weird, but also kind of cool to like repurpose like an entire genre of music for your own movies to give it the feel of another movie. Right. right. Um, I don't have anything else on that, but I just thought that's a cool. Like, well, tip. I mean, you know, you bring up music, and it's going to be a big part of what we I think we discussed with Jackie Brown. But it's like he there was a, an interview of his that I, I either read or watched uh, a couple of years ago, and about his writing process and how I think he just like locks himself into a room. And he, he's a huge music fan, of course, and I, he has um, a, a lot of songs that I think resonate with him, and I think the way he starts writing a script is he has this song like stuck in his head, mm-hmm. and then he sort of builds a script around this song yeah. and what he envisions uh, that song is going to be used uh, in the film as. And I believe for Reservoir Dogs, like I believe the it was first the ear scene with mm-hmm. Stuck in the Middle with You, and then of he course. sort of built the film around yeah. that because it's like the most iconic scene in, yeah. that, in that film. Um and I'm not sure what it would be for Pulp Fiction. I guess uh, I would say the the scene in the pawn shop the, be, with Comanche. I mean, that yeah. seems like a scene that was that was written around the song, right? And right. you know what you're seeing on screen is kind of just complementing whatever music you're hearing, right? 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's also uh, some, uh, you know, I guess a cool little, you know, uh, I don't know if it's trivia or what. Uh, about that scene but when Bruce Willis is going through the pawn shop and looking for you know different uh, he's looking at all the different weapons that he can use um, apparently each weapon is a reference to a movie that Tarantino loves so I think he picks up like a hammer at some point which I'm not sure what that's in reference to then he picks up a baseball bat which is a reference to the usual suspects Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. eventually I think he picks up a chainsaw too obviously for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then eventually lands on the samurai sword, which is just like a general reference to, you know, samurai movies of the of the sixties. He, he's just foreshadowing Kill Bill. Yeah. <laughs> it was a Hattori Hanzo sword. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that really was a Hattori Hanzo sword. More before we get to Jackie Brown. Yes. So, um in Pulp Fiction, obviously, you know, our two main characters are are uh, you know, the cool Vincent Vega and uh and Jules Winfield, I want to say. Jules, Jules Waters? Jules something with a W. It is with a W, yeah. Yeah. Winnebago. <laughs> Jules Winnebago, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but we start getting this this uh, this notion that Tarantino is kind of building something bigger than these individual movies. Mm-hmm. Because Mr. Blonde, if you'll mm-hmm. remember from Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. is Mr toothpick Vic Vega mm-hmm. who is apparently the brother of Vincent Vega. That's correct. And obviously there's a lot of other crossover, you know, with the Big Kahuna burgers, the mm-hmm. the red apple cigarettes. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Love those red apple yeah. smokes. They're delicious. They're so yummy. Um, well, you, you bring up the Vega brothers. I believe originally the character of Vincent Vega, which is who John Travolta plays in Pulp Fiction, was originally supposed to be Vic Vega. And it was, it was all of Pulp Fiction was going to be a prequel to Reservoir Dogs, but Michael Madsen was unavailable, so he changed the character name and made it his brother uh, instead. And Michael Madsen considers it his biggest career regret 
not doing Pulp Fiction. Well, that's fair. And it's 100% his biggest yeah. career mistake. What a bozo. Yeah. Totally fucked up. Apparently there were plans to make a, a, a Vega Brothers movie, mm-hmm. but both actors got too old and fat. And yeah. It was supposed to be a, a prequel because, spoiler alert, Vincent Vega dies yeah. in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, and Vic and, Vega and dies. And Vic also in, dies in, in Reservoir Dogs. Dogs. Yeah. 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 I believe it was going to take place in New in Amsterdam. New Amsterdam. New Amsterdam. In, in, in Amsterdam, because uh, John Travolta talks about how he just got back from uh, from Amsterdam, his Royale with cheese experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we don't need that movie. No, I don't think so at all. Who gives yeah. a shit? Yeah, I don't care what the Vega the brothers wrote. Vega brothers. Yeah. Fuck Whatever. you, Tarantino. Yeah. Should we talk about Jackie Brown? Yeah, let's talk about Jackie Brown. His, uh, his first uh, film that he directed that's not from an original screenplay. Really? It's based on a book. I did not know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also called Jackie Brown, I think. Should probably check that. I don't think uh, it's called Jackie Brown. It's not called Jackie Brown? Is this uh is this his only um non-original screenplay? I believe that that is correct. I believe that of the 9 in parentheses 10 films he's done, directed rather so mm-hmm. far, this is the only one that's an adaptation of something else and not an original Tarantino brainchild. Interesting. I don't know how I've not, I've not read the book, so I don't know how much yeah. of it is um, is him injecting his own uh, style and flavor and plot to it. But uh, it is based on that. Um, and compared to Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, it is very different. Yeah, stylistically. I feel like Jackie Brown is kind of like the forgotten Tarantino movie. It is a hundred percent. Most yeah. people have not heard of it. When you yeah. think of Tarantino, you think like, oh, Pulp Fiction, Kill yeah. Bill, Inglourious Bastards. Yeah. No one and no one remembers Jackie Brown. No. Which is unfortunate, because I think it's a pretty good movie. I like Jackie Brown. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a solid movie. It is. It's extremely slow burn. Very slow burn. It's yeah. his first kind of slow burn movie. Yeah. Or I guess not kind of. It is 100% his first slow right. burn. Right. Well, he wasn't going to make it if he couldn't get Pam Greer. He's the man who's like obsessed with Pam Greer. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a Pam Greer reference in Reservoir Dogs. That's correct. Yeah. Who would Pam Greer have played in Reservoir Dogs? Mr. Black. <laughs> there's another guy in a job with the name Mr. Black. Nobody's Mr. Black. Yeah, he was talking about Pam Greer. Yeah, Pam Greer, right, exactly. Yeah. Jackie exactly. Brown was happening at the same time as, yeah. <laughs> as Reservoir Dogs. But it's a pretty stacked cast, this movie. It is. Yeah, you got Michael Forster, you got Pam Greer... You yeah, got Sam Jackson Sam again. Sam Jackson again as the villain. You got Bobby De Niro. Oh, man. Can we talk about Bobby De Niro and Jackie Brown Absol- for, we for a second? We absolutely can. I believe it's your favorite part. Of- <laughs> I think my favorite part of, of Jackie Brown, besides Chris Tucker getting shot in the trunk of a car. God, that's great. Great scene. Yeah. Um, is is Robert De Niro's role in the movie. Um, he plays this this you know con guy who's like fresh out of jail. And he's just like a total schlub. Yeah. Like always wears like baggy Hawaiian shirts and he has this like scruffy beard and he's like super unsure of himself and like carries himself with like zero confidence whatsoever. He ends up having sex with Sam Jackson's girlfriend. That's and, right. Like, Tarantino tells us it lasts all of like two and a half minutes. Um, and we're used to seeing De Niro as like this like total badass who just like controls the screen and like all of his characters are super, super sure of themselves. And it's just like, I think it's really funny that Tarantino decides to cast De Niro in this movie as like just a total like joke of a character. He's completely playing against type yeah. in the role. And he's great. He's hilarious in the movie. He like he doesn't really have much to say. He just kind of like sits there while Sam Jackson 
does his, well, his well, shtick. Sam Jackson just monologues and he just sits there and nods. Yeah. And like smokes weed. Smokes weed. And Sam Jackson's drinking screwdrivers. Yeah. Vodka OJ. Yeah. Has a weird like tail chin oh, beard. Oh, I hate that. And like the back of his hair, he's got like yeah, a... Like a, like a he's got He's got a rat tail beard and a rat tail hairdo. It's not a good look. It's not a great look. He's pretty, a pretty pretty look. gross character, actually. Yeah. You know, unlike uh, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, it it the, it takes a while for the violence in the film to to ramp up. It's not. It's a, it very much a, a story character driven movie. Like there's unlike yeah. Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. I think Reservoir Dogs is probably a little more violent than Pulp Fiction is. Um, but there's like it's it's heavily character driven and like people don't start getting shot until like the tail end. Of the film, the first shooting is is amazing. Uh, is it is the Chris Tucker character when that happens, or is it? Uh... Oh well, yeah, I guess that technically is the the first one, and that's pretty early on in the movie. But besides that, um, there's ta- obviously not... we're talking about Sam the Sam Jackson De Niro. I'm talking about De Niro and oh the oh the girlfriend in the, in the parking, parking lot, lot. Right, 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 right. For those of you who haven't seen the movie, there's a a big sort of heist that happens in a mall, and. I guess just to go into the scene a little bit, um, Tarantino sets it up from three different perspectives, from the perspective of Jackie Brown, Pam Greer, um, from Robert De Niro's character, and from, I'm forgetting his name, but the the bail bondsman. Oh, uh, God, I can't remember the character's name. I can't remember the character or actor's Michael, name. Michael Forster okay. is the, is the and, actor. And Michael Forster. Yeah. Um, but in the, in the De Niro section, he's with... Sam Jackson's girlfriend, who I think is played by Patricia Arquette. So after they, they, they steal the money, they're walking out, and he can't find his car. And she keeps egging him on about how dumb he is. And that he, is it in this aisle? Yeah. Oh I, oh, I told you it's over here. And he starts getting frustrated. She's like, this is probably why you went to jail, because you're a dumb fucking criminal. <laughs> and he just turns around and shoots her in broad daylight in the middle of a, of a mall parking lot. And it's like... He double caps her, dude. Yeah. It's hysterical. Yeah. It shouldn't be, but it's... It is pretty funny. It's pretty funny. He's ju- he, and then and Sam James Jackson's like, why the fuck did you shoot her? And he's like, I told her to shut up, and she wouldn't <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Sam Jackson's like, you couldn't just hit her? He's like, uh, no. Nah, yeah. I couldn't. And his, like, schlubby De Niro voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then Sam Jackson kills De Niro. He does. Because he thinks uh, De Niro was working with her to, like steal his money when it's in fact not what's happening no has no idea that it was Jackie Brown what the fuck happened to you man you used to be beautiful <laughs> it's not a great movie it's well it's it, it's bizarre it's kind of bizarre uh, cause it's like there's all these these like working parts it's like you have the, the Michael Forrester uh, Pam Greer relationship and how he's helping her and the FBI folks um, and how they're trying to use her to get to Sam Jackson. Then you have Sam Jackson's relationship to her, and how he needs her to get him his money. And then you have the whole uh, De Niro thing attached to Sam Jackson. So it's all these moving parts. Um, but it's told in a linear way, unlike uh, Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs. Uh, but it's like we said, it's like this this really, really, really well-constructed slow burn but I could easily, like, you know, I could easily see a lot of people who may be fans of Tarantino watching this film and sort of being bored by it. Yeah, I mean, it reads like more like, uh, like Hateful Eight or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Absolutely. which we'll obviously get to at some point. Um, 
but it reads more like those two. Um, I think it has a runtime of like two and a half hours. It's long, and there it's are definitely long. some some scenes in the middle of that movie that you know can be cut out, um, like we've said with his first two movies. So mm-hmm. we obviously have scenes in all of his movies he, so far. Is he that not, he's can... not in this one, is he? He's not in this. He's one. Not in this one. It's also a weird. It's a weird attempt to make a black exploitation movie, mm-hmm. which like as a white dude is one like, like you got to have a lot of audacity to do that. And well, and, even even with I mean with all of his films, he's like obsessed with race yeah. in them too. And I think this one it's like heavily at the forefront. Yeah. Um, it's it's weird. I don't know where it comes from. But yeah, it's, I, it's I very know. it's very strange. But I kind of just chalk it up to him being a, a psycho in general. Right, 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 right. Like anyone who has like all of these ideas running around in their mind, like, will also like have some weird like. I don't I don't know if he's a racist or if he's just obsessed with race. But well, it's funny because you know, Sam Jackson I think is one of the actors. I, I believe he's been in the most Tarantino films. I believe it's Sam I Jackson. Be- I believe so. Um, and Sam Jackson was asked this question in an interview a few years ago, and he defends Tarantino. He's like. You know, the man writes the smartest black characters I've ever played, so I don't see him as being a, a racist at all. So to have that's Sam Jackson defend you, is yeah. like, especially... And when you think about what he's saying, I guess that's that's kind of true. Jules is, like, brilliant mm-hmm. in Pulp Fiction. Pam Greer, she's the mastermind of Jackie Brown. And, like, of course, we'll, when we get to the other films, we can, we can focus on uh, brilliant uh, black characters. Sam Jack, who Sam Jackson plays in... Uh, Django Unchained, like he's he's like completely like aware of what. Yeah, we'll we'll get we'll get to we'll, that. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get to that. that. We'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Jackie Brown. It's, I guess it's solid for what it is. It it's not going to blow anyone away. Um, Would you consider it a crime film? Yeah, I guess it is. Sort of. it, ha- it has. It, it, it is. has to be right. I mean, it's crime, a, it's crime supposedly drama. A, a black exploitation film, which are usually crime dramas. Right. So I guess that's what this is. Um, it doesn't read very dramatically. No, no, definitely not. It's also not as funny as some of the other movies. It's, it's not. Uh, yeah, it really does take take its time. Um, it could. I think it could be edited down. It, uh, it definitely could. I mean, all of his movies could. Yeah, yeah, and it, obviously it gets way worse as time goes on. In we'll ter- we'll get there. in terms of bloating. Yeah, but this one—I mean, Jackie Brown too. Jackie Brown's like two and a half hours, man. Yeah, and I found myself like nodding off the last time I was watching. Yeah, it. it's it's easy to get uh, it's easy to lose your engagement with it. I think, yeah. especially when you consider these first three films, sort of like his his early crime trilogy. Yeah. Um, and how like it's it's hard to sort of check out of Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction because there's always yeah. something happening. Yeah. Um, Reservoir Dogs, there I think there are moments where you where one can check out Pulp Fiction, not so much. Right. Maybe right. the the diner scene with uh, with Mia Wallace, but you know then right after that she ODs on heroin right. and your attention is kind of brought right back into the action. Right. 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 Yeah. But I think of the three, Jackie Brown is probably, probably my least favorite of yeah. the three. I still like, I like it. I I, um, I enjoy it, but it it doesn't blow me away. No, 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 it doesn't blow me away either. I think there's there's so much uh, 
there's so much style and grit and rough around the edgeness to Reservoir Dogs, which is why I like it. Even though there there is, you know, for his first venture, there is a lot uh, sort of that could be polished with it, I think. But then he comes, you know, he comes right out of the gate again with Pulp Fiction. It's just like, oh, this is the movie you were trying to make. Yeah. Kind of thing. And I believe he was only able to get Pulp Fiction produced based off what he made from Reservoir Dogs. Makes sense. Um, I mean, Pulp Fiction is kind of like the Quentin Tarantino movie. Like, mm-hmm. if you walk into a random bar and say Quentin Tarantino to ten people, the first movie that they're going to think of, or first movie that nine out of ten people are going to think of, is Pulp Fiction. Yeah, absolutely. It's immediately what their mind jumps to. Absolutely. And, I mean, it, it's, you know, for a good reason. It's because yeah. they hate the the scene with, with Jimmy. In the, coffee talk, <laughs> right. in the kitchen talking about his coffee. And the sign outside that says, Dead bleep in storage. Oh, God. Why, Quentin? Uh, yeah, it's just like so off-putting. Why? It's like, I, I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. He has a weird obsession with that. Yeah. Really but he has a weird obsession with other things, too. I mean, we, 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 I don't think we see any feet in Reservoir Dogs. No, we don't. But we see a lot of Mia Wallace's feet in Pulp Fiction. There's a whole foot massage dialogue sequence. Yeah. Between uh, between John Travolta and Sam Jackson. And then we foot get a massage. lot of shots. Foot massage ain't the same as eating a girl out. It's not even in the same fucking ballpark. It's not even the same sport. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? Do I think a foot massage is in the same... I, I guess they're kind of sensual in would, nature. Would you give a foot massage to your friend's girlfriend? Would I give a foot massage to my friend's girlfriend? Yeah. Am I trying to fuck my friend's girlfriend? There you go. Because I'd it, do it either way. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I wouldn't do it. I, I think feet are disgusting. I think they're the most yeah. vile part of the human body. Yes, I agree. I, we we would, walk on them. <laughs> yeah, they're fucking gross. But I think, you know, I think there is something sensual about it. Uh to putting your hand on a woman's feet and rubbing them. What about a man's feet? Uh, whip those uh, whip those toesies out right now, brother. Let's yeah, you want to give me a foot massage? <laughs> yes. See how things go? On microphone. Yeah. Maybe not. You, you we'll just hear it. We'll cut the mic. What does a foot massage that. sound like? I don't want to know. Feet are disgusting. <laughs> but Tarantino loves them. He does love them. He also has a... I, I mean, I think these two obsessions are a little more playful um in terms of you know things that tarantino is i'm gonna i'm gonna backtrack yeah go ahead. i think there there are two other things that he's obsessed with and i think these two are are a little more playful than the other ones um one of them being food we yes. Get, yes we get a lot dude. of conversations around food we get a lot of shots of people actually eating we get shots of food being prepared um you know in in reservoir dogs obviously the opening scene is around the fucking table of a diner and there's a lot of talk about coffee mm-hmm. pulp fiction the whole body situation there's a conversation about coffee and the that cheeseburger and there's the cheeseburger the, the scene, scene with uh with jules where he takes right. a, a bite of the delicious kahuna burger mm-hmm. well it's br- it's actually brilliant the way he writes that because it's like he's using food as like a, a status like power symbol in it it's just like imagine yeah. like walking into a room and being like oh is this your cheeseburger can i eat it yeah it's like can I also have some of your Sprite to it's wash like, down? Yeah, like taking a this man's tasty burger. cheeseburger, it's like not a, a food item that you like share. Yeah. It's like if you take someone's cheeseburger and you bite into it, that's like an invasion. Yeah. Um, which is the whole point. It's just like, oh, he's like has control over the situation and these people. And it's just like. It's great. It is. It's great. How does the wolf take his coffee? 
Oh, uh, lots of sugar, lots of cream. Yep. <laughs> um, I know. I know how good my fucking coffee is. It's so bad. <laughs> Not the coffee. The, the yeah. scene. Um, I don't know if there are any food scenes in Jackie Brown. It's Sam Jackson's obsession with vodka, OJ, with the screwdrivers. He's like always drinking them. It's a weird drink of choice. It is a weird drink of choice. Have you ever had a screwdriver? Yeah, I've had a screwdriver. I like them. I like them. They're... They're better with blood orange juice. They're really good, actually. With blood yeah. orange juice. Yeah, All right, I'll, I'll try that next time I'm at brunch. Yeah, dude. Um, I'm sure there are also several shots of Pam Greer's feet yes. in in Jackie Brown and the uh, the girlfriend, Patricia. Oh, Arquette. yeah, there are, a lot, yeah. there are a lot of shots of her feet and De Niro yeah. observing her feet yeah. on the couch in that film. Yeah. 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 Oh, but then the, the last obsession... That I wanted to touch on um, the bathroom. Oh, right? right. I think it's like I think it's a great touch, especially in in Pulp Fiction, because a lot of the times when you watch movies, you're not seeing people do these sort of like mundane things, like going to the bathroom or like eating or like even drinking a cup of coffee. Um, and he always includes people doing things like that, and but he also like structures the stories around when people are eating or when people are going to the bathroom. Like in Pulp Fiction, uh, Vincent Vegas' character, like something shitty always happens to him when he goes to the bathroom. Yep. You know, the first time we see him in the bathroom, um, I think it's during the Mia Wallace scene, and she ODs on his heroin. The second time we see him, he's in the bathroom at Butch's house, and he fucking dies. Right. Like, that's pretty shitty. Yeah. To walk out of the bathroom from taking a shit and you get shot, like... No one wants that. No. That's terrible. Not. I worry about that every time I take a shit. You should. Yeah. It, that's a fair thing to you're, worry you're about. You're at your most vulnerable when you're indisposed. Yeah. And then at the end, he's in the bathroom um, in the diner scene when... What, what are their names? Pumpkin and... Pumpkin and Honey Bunny. And Honey Bunny. Yeah. Start to stick up the joint. That's right. Well, it's great because you're like, oh, why? how did... Uh, how did he not hear Butch enter the apartment? Yeah. And, you know, Tarantino's kind of snarky with how he just, like, oh, this is just a thing. Like, when he's indisposed, like, he's just, he's reading something or he's just not paying attention. Yeah. It's like he's in the bathroom at the diner and has no idea that the place is being, like... Yeah. Like, stuck up. Um, and there's also, uh, he's not the one in the bathroom, but in the scene um, where the divine inter... Oh, something we should quickly talk about. The divine... There's a lot of, like, weird mysticism... Yeah. In Pulp Fiction, like Divine Intervention, where like Jules and Vincent are being shot at um, by the and, guy, and the yeah. bullets clearly hit the wall directly behind them, yeah. but they're like completely untouched. Um, and then the whole thing of like, oh, what's in the suitcase? Uh, uh, how do we not talk about what's in the suitcase? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did some research about this, and like, there's a, a shot of the back of Marcellus Wallace's head. Brother, yeah. you are correct, Amundo. Yeah. And there's a band-aid over the back of his neck, and apparently in uh, in Asian mythology or something, that's where your soul is, if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken. I heard in some sort of mythology, that's where the devil's soul left his body. Well, there you go. Is Marcellus Wallace the devil? Maybe that's what Tarantino's trying to say. All right, keep going, know. keep going. I feel like he got but, more. But basically, what it boils down to, whether he's the devil or not, is what it means is that in the suitcase that has this golden glow is Marcellus Wallace's soul. What? That's his soul that they're trying to retrieve. Yeah, I've heard that. 
Um, it's a great theory. It is a great theory. But it's I, a wonderful theory. I love that he doesn't um, elaborate on it. Yeah. Because there's like a... The, there's a great moment in the uh, in the diner scene at the end when it's getting stuck up and and Tim Roth is having that conversation with with uh, Sam Jackson and Sam Jackson's you know going through his whole spiel and then he's like I have to get the suitcase to my boss and then Tim Roth is like well let me see what's in the suitcase and Sam Jackson's like you really want to see and he opens it up for him also quick side note mm-hmm. uh, you'll notice when. John Travolta first opens up the suitcase. The uh, the combination lock is six six six. Yeah, that's oh. a good point. <laughs> oh my god, Lucifer! What? Uh, but then he opens it up for Tim Roth, and Tim Roth is like, "Oh my god, is that what I think it is?" And Sam Jackson just nods his head, and like the audience, you're like, "What the fuck is what, it? What is it?" And then you go do some reading on Reddit, and you find out that it's right. the soul of the soul of Wallace of or the, the devil the, the or devil. something. Yeah, yeah. right. It's weird that the devil would just be working as some like kind of like mid-level crime boss in in Los Angeles. Right. Yeah. Like there's nothing better that he could do like taking over the world. Yeah, right. He's just like, I'm going to rig boxing. <laughs> He's going to rig a boxing <laughs> match and like and that's it. Also, if even if it is his soul, how are these like these like random jabronis in a fucking apartment in the valley supposedly going to get Marcellus Wallace's soul? Yeah, what were they even going to do? What were they going to like how did sell they, it or how something? How did they get it? I don't know. There's like four dudes living in like a one-bedroom apartment. Yeah, I don't know what they How did they get was. in contact with Marcellus Wallace if he's this like big-time criminal? I have not a clue. He doesn't really elaborate on that. It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Quentin Tarantino's a hack. Yeah, absolute hack. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Total <laughs> bozo. But yeah, that's great. Have yeah. you also heard the theory that, that every clock in Pulp Fiction is set to 420? No. It's false. I'm going to have to... Oh, okay. But there are a few, a that, few that times are. that... That they are. I think when when the time of day isn't necessarily important to what's going on, but like in that you know uh, scene in the apartment and before dinner and the whole Bonnie situation, um, it's like seven twenty, and that's I guess so someone funny. doesn't know how to read a clock and thought that said four twenty. Oh, uh, that seven looks like a four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One two seven four. Uh, it's four twenty. 720, dude. It's a big kahuna burger o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> Who gets a, co- a big kahuna burger for breakfast? I don't know. Ah, a balanced breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> big kahuna burger. Is big kahuna burger even a place? Is it a real place or is it something that Tarantino made up? No, no. It's, it's something that he made up. It's part of his whole like Tarantino... Ah, the Red Apple Cigarettes. ...universe oh. building. Yeah. It looked pretty good. I kind of want to... Yeah, we should... He should make one. He should do like a pop-up or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, another big piece of trivia is that that's that's uh, you know Happy Hogan, John Favreau's character in the MCU. He uh, that's his crossover. His big Kahuna burger. <laughs> He's gonna buy John Travolta all the cheeseburgers he wants. <laughs> Get out of town! <laughs> uh, but if you're listening, Kevin Feige, this is the perfect way <laughs> to to incorporate Tarantino's universe. Um, I think we'll definitely talk more about Quentin Tarantino, kind of building this universe right um which i find to be unnecessary i think i think the one you know cool little piece of trivia about the the vega brothers you know actually being related is cool to kind of give you some crossover between reservoir dogs and pulp fiction but besides that you know it's cool that they all have red apple cigarettes it's cool that they all have big kahunas but besides that these (laughs) movies don't need to don't need to live in the same space i like the idea of them all being their own separate entities that, right you know and of course as you pointed out which we'll get into the more 
films he makes, the more it goes on, the more you see these references and hints that these movies are all taking place in the same universe. The Tarantino-verse. Yeah. But, you know, uh, the first three films in his catalog, the crime trilogy, as I like to call it, Nice. I think they're all pretty good. Uh, I like that. You should coin that phrase. I, th- I think I will. I think I will. I'm going to call him up and ask him if I can. I, I want a dime yeah. every time somebody watches one of these three movies. <laughs> Single dime. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but I believe, uh, as I said, this is part one of our Tarantino episodic trilogy. We're going to talk about his nine, in parentheses, ten films. Uh, in the next episode, we're going to talk about uh, Kill Bill, Death Proof, and uh, Inglorious Bastards. Can't wait. Uh, So that should be a good time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see you then. We will see you then.